This is Performance Deliver, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn about how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. Today, I'm happy to have as our guest, Chris Renier. Chris is the president at 46 Mile, award-winning marketing agency located in San Francisco. He has over 20 years business and marketing experience and has founded and sold several companies, including a search engine marketing agency and a boutique skincare business. Chris founded 46 Mile in 2015 and is responsible for the company's vision, direction, and day-to-day operation. Chris, great to have you on the show. Great to be here, Stefan. Chris, when I, when I looked through your LinkedIn profile earlier today, I noticed that at the very beginning of your career, you worked for Ask Jeeves. How did you get that job, and what was your responsibility? Yeah, uh, well, actually, you got to go back further than that to answer that. Uh, going further back, I actually started out as an engineer and then decided I didn't like playing with chemicals and moved out to San Francisco, uh, not knowing really what I was going to do in uh, mid-'90s, and uh, was recruited with a web development startup company. Uh, web, uh, which ended up becoming US Web, which old old folks will remember. Uh, and one of our clients there was actually Ask Jeeves. And so I was a marketing account executive for uh, Ask Jeeves at, at this agency. Uh, and long story short, uh, they recruited me to come work for them in their business development group at Ask Jeeves. Wonderful. And so that's how I got started there, yeah. So how, how, did search engine marketing look like back then? I mean, that was pre-Google uh, and probably before Yahoo slash Overture. Uh, Overture was around. Look then? Overture okay. was around. Yahoo was around. Uh, but search engine marketing. So it wasn't really search engines back then, right? There were they were directories. Uh, and there was hundreds of people searching the web and listing the different sites and connecting keywords to them. Uh, Overture was the first one that came out and said, hey, just buy a keyword and we'll, we'll match it to a result. Uh, so the search marketing, it was more people just calling and complaining that their sites weren't on, on SGs or on Yahoo, right? I don't know if you remember, the Yahoo had a whole building of people titled surfers. Their job yeah. was just to find people. That, there really wasn't, I don't think, search marketing back then. Uh, however, when I was at Jeeves, we, we went uh, and acquired a company called Direct Hit. Uh, Direct Hit had a technology that they called TextAds. Uh, Jeeves and Google actually competed to acquire that company. At the time, Google was struggling to keep their doors open, and Jeeves had just gone public and was worth $2 billion. So we won the wow. battle. <laughs> we wow. won the battle. Uh, we wanted some of their natural language search technology, but another technology they had was this thing called text ads that I'll give credit to Michael Carr came up with, which was this idea of when you search for something, we're going to give you the natural search results, but we're also going to give you paid ads that the advertisers are going to put their credit card into. So, uh, long story short, direct hit invented AdWords, not Google. Uh, Google saw it at direct hit. Uh, and then we took it in-house. I actually ran the group for tech ads for G's for about eight months before I left. 
uh, and was syndicating those results out. Uh, so that's when search marketing really kind of started. Uh, that was probably 1998 where you were able to pay to get your placement. And in those days, it was just whoever was willing to do the elbow grease and stay up at night and uh, make sure their credit card didn't go to zero. Right, I don't know if you remember those days, but that, that was the early days. But interesting history note there, AdWords was not from Google originally. Google just did it better, like they do everything else. Yeah, I remember those times. <laughs> so did that position lead you to uh, founding Fathom Online, um, which I read was the first digital marketing agency focused on search engine marketing? Uh, to be clear, we were the first paid search only. There was a bunch of SEO guys out there, uh, but okay. we didn't we only did paid search. Yeah, it was, uh, like 2006, the recession 2007 was coming along. Everybody was shutting down all their digital agencies. I was off doing a, a video over IP startup that looked like YouTube in 1998, 99, 2000, which I called Bleeding Age, which, Bleeding Edge, which <laughs> Led to death way too early. Yeah. Uh, that, no, sorry, it was 2002. So after the crash, right? So the yeah. internet crash, uh, everyone was basically firing their digital agencies and uh, was stopping doing digital marketing and just hunkering down. And so myself uh, and a business partner at the time were just talking and said, he asked, worked at SGs, he took my place actually. Um, after I left SG's running AdWords, the text ads, and came up, it was his idea, came up with like, there is no way people are going to be able to manage uh, paid search. It's going to be a disaster. There's 10 different engines out there. You get to put your credit card into all of them. You got to have keywords, you know, the nightmare. And so that night over a couple of glasses of wine, Fathom uh, Online was born. Uh, we're going to market, we're going to manage just that paid search piece because no one else can figure it out. And it exploded. <laughs> I would never forget. I can imagine. Yeah, I wanted to be, when we took money, we didn't need it. It was the best time to take it. <laughs> just to, <laughs> it, it allowed us to survive a little longer and get a better uh, payout when we sold. But uh, he was doing due diligence and he came back and said, guys, I've heard this more than once. They don't know what you're doing, but they said, please don't stop whatever it is because it's, it's <laughs> So, you know how we were doing it, uh, but a lot of people and a lot of spreadsheets. Yeah, so that was Fathom Online. Uh, it was a interesting. Really yeah. I, I guess I guess pricing out the service back then probably was much easier because I assume there was almost no competition. I mean, you were the first offering paid search. So, how did you approach back then pricing the service? And then did you do it on an hourly rate basis? Did you do it percentage of media project basis? Do you remember? Oh, I remember. This is going to kill you as a as runner. <laughs> so we looked for what was the biggest pain point. Uh, and the biggest pain point besides getting results or managing it day to day, the biggest pain point for advertisers back then were the fluctuating monthly monthly costs, right? Because they'd want a certain number of clicks and a click, a cost per click could change hourly. Uh, and you just had no way of structuring it. And so we came in and said, we're going to do flat budget. Don't worry about it. I know everybody does that now, but it, is, it just hadn't evolved. It was so early on, people putting credit cards in, they spend $5,000 in one minute and then nothing for two days and it was back and forth. So we did two things. We said, we guarantee you this uh, budget 
and we guarantee you this number of clicks. And the way we did that was we arbitraged. So we had mm -hmm. a pretty big spreadsheet, sort of, sort of algorithm. I wouldn't give it too much credit on that, uh, that would just monitor all keywords and all different verticals. Uh, and we'd come up with what the average was, and then we had a formula to come up with how we made sure we came out ahead, no matter how much we had to pay, to meet the, the clicks that we promised. And so instead of making 10, 15% margins, we were making 70, 90% margins. Yeah, the golden time <laughs> of search engine marketing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that Although was. I have to say, you know, once in a while these days, I, I come across companies, um, as, as we also, as you know, uh, help other agencies, um, you know, execute digital marketing campaigns. We come across other agencies that work still with companies that do arbitrage paid search. And um, it is it is astonishing how, how, how some clients still pay a lot of money and get very little mm. for for that investment and, and don't question the approach at all with no visibility nothing so it just blows my mind every time when i have that conversation and they they're completely oblivious to the fact that they could probably do so much better with much less investment yeah i mean to our credit we did a lot we didn't just deliver a click we were doing uh all the way through the conversion analysis i remember one telecom i won't mention her name but they couldn't figure out why they had such horrible conversion rates and they had they had 14 clicks to get someone to sign up right and it, was, it was really it's an obvious thing you say now but we flew all the way to their headquarters and walked them through the data and go guys just simplify this and that was way before you had best practices for e-commerce right and we increased their sales by hundreds of percent yeah so that was surprising back then. Um, mm -hmm. how, how does approaching pricing these days work from your perspective? I mean, you know, 2015, you founded uh, 46 Mile, and you know, as you told me before um, before the podcast, you know, you do obviously not necessarily focus on paid media; it is a side product, but you really are focusing on um, focus on um, website development, um, video production. Um, sort of more the creative side. How how do you approach pricing for that? Uh, so on the creative side, or like it's the pure services side, um, where the percent of media doesn't get into the doesn't mess everything up. Um, I mean, this is not every every agency owner I hope knows this. It's all about hours and the cost of the hour to you and how much you can mark it up. Uh, we go about pricing the way we, we, we sorry we've built pricing models for every single product we have and so in the early days we'd bring up come, bring on a website and we take a guess of we're going to need a creative director we're going to need account manager we're going to need a Google Analytics specialist you know we get a list out and build a spreadsheet and then say it's going to take this many hours this many hours and then put a dollars per hour. Uh, and then come up with the total cost and mark it up by like 20%. Um, even, and then the, you got to make sure you know your math on how to create an hourly rate, right? Which is typically your annual compensation times, I do 2.3, but add 
you know, more than double it. I do two and a 30%, but in San Francisco, it's kind of necessary, <laughs> uh, yeah. right? So it, it's a pretty, it's tedious. And I think people can get moving really fast and you get in a creative thing and you want to do the right thing. And when you do the math, the numbers sometimes come up pretty high. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's why you get in trouble a lot because clients come back and say, oh, it costs too much. And then you need the business. Um, and there's surely early days when you just got to take one for the team and do it at a rate that's breaking even, but it's giving you a case study, it's giving you a testimonial, you know, that kind of thing. And I think we all do that. That's actually a great point. That was one of the questions I had uh, jotted down here on my notepad is actually, you know, have you ever decided to buy, in this case, kind of a client, right, which, as you just said, you did. But probably interesting questions for some of the listeners will be, did it actually pay off? Because obviously we make those decisions to buy a client because we want a bigger result out of it later on, whether that's a case study that leads to more business or whatever we think we can get out of that situation. Did it pay off for you, uh, for the clients where you did it? Or um, do you, did you afterwards say, Gosh, you know, it was nice, but uh, I wish I would have made some money because I, you know, I didn't get anything else out of it. So I've never done a full, like, I'm going to lose money on this. Uh, I've wavered a little bit. And the one thing I always do when I come down on price, I, I go out with the original price, right? And then mm-hmm. uh, know if I'm going to take dollars off, I take services off, or I take deliverables off, right? Okay. Uh, and so the client, so you're not doing tons and tons of work. You're doing the best work. Uh, and I may do an hourly rate, take off an hourly rate. I, I can't think of a client. We have profitability analysis on every single one of our clients from a gross perspective, right? So contribution to margin to the rest of the business. We've never come in negative. Uh, and so we've done a pretty good job of understanding how much time it's going to take from what type of person to get something done. Um, but, you know, if you come in at 20% contribution margin, you're, you can't run a business off of that. Like, that's not going to – 20% of every sale is not going to run the rest of your business paying rent and no. administration. <laughs> so it was a long answer, Stevan. To us, yes, it has paid off. Uh, it's, take, it's not, like, immediate, though. Like, we now have case studies. I now can use it in sales pitches. I can explain to people – uh, we work in their industry and some other industry, the wine industry we've done it in, right? Like it's traditionally a very cheap industry. Uh, but if you start selling results, you can start using that to other folks. And there are those type clients in the wine industry that fit our criteria, that they understand marketing. And if you can show them the return, they will pay for it. And our trick is just getting them to pay enough up front for us to show our value, right? So it gets paid off, but you got to be careful. I wouldn't, I would never just do something. I've never done something for free. And I never do, I don't know if you're going to bring this up, but I never do proposals that have any work related to the client. I don't do research on a client. I never ask the client for, if we can see their back end before a proposal. Like, that's a lot of work and that's valuable. I just think people lose so much money uh, doing that. That's a, that's a good point because a lot of agencies these days offer kind of pre-contract analysis and consultation. Um, so basically what I hear from you is like, you know, if someone will come to you and say, hey, you know what, 
can you analyze where we're at the moment and can you give us an idea of strategy and kind of do a top level strategy? That's probably something you wouldn't engage in. I'll charge them. You pay me $40,000, I'll do it for you, but I won't do it for free. I mean, to do it right. And I've told, we've, I've had some people say, fine, we're not going to deal with you. And I, I, I don't understand an agency unless you're like a giant agency, right? And you're going mm -hmm. after a hundred million dollar Coca-Cola campaign. Okay, great. You got to do spec creative. That has to happen. Right. But when yeah. and we, we don't deal with folks like that, that's pretty good caveat for your listeners to know. Like, 46 Mile, we will turn away, away big national brands unless it's some niche thing that we fit into. We focus on large regional brands, right? So brands that do, you know, somewhere between 30, 20 million annually to 150, maybe 200. After you get over that, you can kind of play with the big boys. Um, but I'm amazed at how many of those folks come and are usually at the government agencies and say, well, we'd like you to come pitch against other agencies and tell us what you do for a 12-month campaign. Give us the creative, give us the media plan, and if we like it, we'll sign you on. Like, hey, no. And people do it. And I don't know yeah. how or why you do that. I'll show you what I've done for other people and the success I've had. And then I'll also tell you, they paid me $50,000 to do the research and the strategy to come up with that plan that then worked. That's a good point. I mean, it's, it's, it's about knowing your own value and knowing what you're capable of delivering at the end of the day. Yeah, right. and I think if you, if you have the right sales approach for it, give me a chance to come in and talk to you and tell you about my people and the success we've had. And I, I was just talking to one of our sales picks today, actually. <laughs> one of our partners asked for a deck that had this, this, and this, and send it over, and they're going to send, put that in there as that they're sending to a client. And I, I, I just told her, don't do it. Unless you have it already built, and don't put it in our pipeline, because I have never, ever seen one of those come through. Unless I have a relationship, right? Like, if you know the person you're sending the deck to, and they're doing RFP because they have to, in air quotes, fine. I'll do it then. But besides that, unless you can present, an agency is, is the people. And they're yeah. wanting to hire somebody that they trust and they know can go to battle with them because it's marketing. It's, you can't promise anything, right? <laughs> it's going to be a battle. And so you got to go to battle with them. If you can get that message across and then prove that your team can win multiple battles, lose a couple, and win the war in the end, like, then you got a partner you want to work with, both sides. That's totally true. A second ago, you mentioned RFP. So what's your position to RFP? And it might be different uh, from, a, from a media perspective to a creative perspective. Um, as for example, you know, when we go get RFPs, then there is a lot of kind of upfront thinking ask. Um, how, how is that for you, for a company that is more creative focused? Um, well, I mean, how far do you go with RFPs? We do 50-50, right? Like we're a full-service agency, so I, I may have misled you. <laughs> we do a lot of creative, but we have a large planning and buying group. Um, same answer, no matter who I'm going after. Uh, I usually hit delete when I get an RFP. Full stop. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I, I don't do them. Um, there are, the exceptions are if 
Well, so one exception is I've been working with some, with a client, they're in a government agency or education, and they have to go through RFP by law, and mm-hmm. I help them write it. I've done that more than once, and we okay. win each time. <laughs> You're writing RFP, it goes out, they get a bunch of submissions because they have to, and then they compare you to somebody else, and you wrote the RFP, so your response is obviously should be the best response. Uh, so I'll do those. Uh, the, o- the only other ones that we'll do um, is if we know the people uh, and we've got an inside track, because so many times if you follow up on RFP you lost, somebody knew somebody on the board, somebody knew was re- recommended by somebody's friend on the board, or, you know, it's just RFPs, if it's a true RFP process, they're looking, they tell you are looking at a whole bunch of stuff, but it's price. Uh, and they ask a lot of questions that most people can't answer all of them. And so, again, if you can't present to them from day one, I just think your chances of winning are slim. And if you do win, you're going to spend so much time going back and forth, presenting again, beating down prices, and then you usually got to go to procurement. Like, add up the hours in that. And I just I don't think it's – I'd rather spend it going after clients that don't want RFP. That's a good point. So – we talked almost the entire time now about kind of the more creative side. As you just said, you, you know, you're more 50-50. Um, so how would you price out your media side um, where um, there's media buying, obviously, but also planning, uh, strategy and planning? How do you approach that side from a pricing perspective? So we've got two ways. Our ideal client comes to us and says, I've been doing marketing this way. And I realize times are changing. And again, remember, we work with large regional brands, so they're kind of where national brands were 20 years ago, right? So they're realizing, holy cow, I've got to work with at least five different channels, maybe more. And I've just been buying left, right, and center, and I got a paid search guy, and I got someone doing social over here, and they don't all work together. How do, what am I going to do? Uh, and they also realize to do that right, they need to really know who their audience is and they admit they don't. And maybe look at how the competitors are doing and then put a plan together based on research, right? Like do a grown-up marketing plan. Yeah. Uh, so in that case, we do a consulting project fee, um, a project-based fee where we do the research, which you, is part of the media as well as messaging, Learn the audience, where they where they interact with media, how they interact, what type of messaging we want to do to them. Uh, use that research as a project fee, and then we take the research and we use the research then to do a marketing, sometimes a full marketing plan or a media plan, which is again a fee, a project fee. Uh, having been on the other side many many times, I hate time and material. Like, tell me how much it's going to cost me to get what you say, <laughs> and you take the risk. If you don't know your business well enough to tell me how much. It's going to cost, like, not my problem as a client. Yeah. Um, so, in those fees, like, the research usually is about fifteen to $25,000 to get all that information. And then a small, like, just media strategy, uh, around twelve to twenty grand. whereas a full marketing strategy and plan, which comes out of a calendar that does everything from PR down to um, website development and social media and paid media, that runs... Twenty to thirty-five thousand dollars. So you're ranging from thirty to sixty thousand dollars to get a whole thing together, and then yeah. you've, got, you've got a schematic and a basic media plan coming out of that with a budget. Well, then we run that 
will run those media, those paid medias for around 20, 25% of the net, the net media. Um, here's something else we don't do. We don't do a single channel. So we won't like do somebody's paid search. Just not interested. Because uh, we don't believe, if you're doing that, that means you're just looking for the cheapest provider and you've got a, you've got a plan, you hopefully have a strategic plan behind you that says paid search is supposed to deliver this, paid social this, programmatic this, print this, radio this, right? And you're managing all that and you've got all these different contractors working for you, which is a nightmare. But mm-hmm. you, I assume you know what you're doing or you don't know what you're doing. You're just going for lowest price at, at a single point solution. And then that's a nightmare client as well. Um, so when we take on a media plan, it is uh, paid media. It is a paid media, and we own all channels that are paid for that campaign. Uh, so our campaigns, we have full digital campaigns. That, yeah. uh, and, and if it's a full digital campaign, which I imagine most of the folks are, are are handling, we take a lump sum budget and we come up with a plan that has different forms of programmatic, your paid search at multiple channels, uh, sorry, the paid search uh, and your paid social and any content marketing we're going to buy, have a plan. Uh, plan's only as good as making the plan. And then we start running it and we swap budget as needed. And we're not competing with anybody else because we own the entire budget to hit a success metric. And so for that, we charge uh, usually around 30%, which uh, most people are going to go, oh, there's no way he gets that. Uh, and I hear that. <laughs> uh, and I sit with clients and say, look, uh, I charge 20% because I'm not going to charge you any other fees and I'm not marking up my programmatic buys, which uh, Steph and I honestly will tell you and your listeners, I am considering doing because I think at 30%, we're not making enough money. I should probably be marking up my programmatic buys 60%, but most clients don't know that, right? Uh, and so we tell them 30%, You'll see everything total transparency, uh, and you'll have you know all the data, raw data at your fingertips, and we'll be able to analyze and help you grow during the campaign and after the campaign. My best example for this is a very large campaign we now run two years in a row. Um, yeah. They're a nonprofit. It was us against somebody else. Uh, we came in and told them 30%, uh, and they came, the VP marketing came back to me and said, Chris, I got to tell you, like, I love what you guys do. You have the data. You have the tools that other people don't have, but there's this uh, nonprofit agency that is telling us they'll do it for 12%. I got to talk to my board of directors, and I said, tell you what, do, do this. Go to that whoever's offering you 12%. And get them to put in writing that they will give you all the invoices from all of their media vendors, that they will not charge you for any reporting, any tack on fees, and the whole list that you know, Stefan. And I said, if they sure. give you that, yeah. they give you that, then go with them. And we've been running their campaign for two years running now. That's a, that's a good point. I mean, the hidden costs that, that the providers, you know, Put in that that clients don't see or they're oblivious to. Um, sometimes makes the the twelve percent, ten percent, fifteen percent much more expensive. Actually, you, you already answered a, <laughs> the follow up question I had for you. Is like, how do you deal with a client when they said, "Are you crazy? Twenty twenty five percent for paid media activity." I assume you not always are in a situation where they have another company that says twelve percent. How do you? 
how do you convince them, um, in addition to what you already said, that it's worth the 20, 25% when the market, you know, on average, depending on spend, is more towards 10 and 15%? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm probably probably a little bit more bullheaded in this than I should be, but I just believe that someday we're going to get back to like pay. You you need to pay. Or let me put it another way: you can't run a campaign effectively without making at least thirty percent on the net revenue. I mean, just you ask any agency owner, or finance, like they'll do the math. Like you just can't do it. The people that you have, and you probably are not even doing that well then, unless you've got a lot of volume. Um, so I tend to have honest conversations with the clients. And again, I really like the space we're in, uh, in that large regional brands, like a lot of them have been running these campaigns themselves or trying to, right? No. And you just tell them, like, you know how hard this is. Oh, uh, yeah. And you haven't been able to put the tags on it correctly. And you haven't been able to track correctly. And you haven't been able to pull all the data together. I know, I know, I know. Well, that's what we're going to be doing. And it just takes a lot of time to do right. It's not like buying a newspaper ad and then letting it run. <laughs> so it, those are the conversations I've had. Um, I, I got to admit, I'm even surprised. Like Just by standing our ground, people, they push, and then we go, well, that's just what we do. That's us. Uh, and mm -hmm. most of the time, they, go, they end up going with us and they, they're happy. Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, you need to know the value of your service. I think that's, that's I believe, is something that, that every, every individual consultant, agency owner, business owner needs to be aware of and also needs to be proud of. You know, the service they deliver costs a certain amount of money. You know, you could put, as I always say, when I have conversations with clients that say, well, why does the search solution cost 15% and said, well, go to another agency. They put someone on there that has a year experience and yeah. doesn't, doesn't or hasn't seen that many different scenarios. The result from that person will be different than someone, for example, on our end who has four to five years at least experience that, that has seen different campaigns, different type of campaigns, different scenarios and can respond to things much quicker and can avoid kind of the, 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 the time that sometimes takes for junior people to figure things out, right? Yeah. And, and if they want to go with that, go with, with that company. Um, and then, you know, half a year later, they usually call and say, hey, you know what, you were right. Yeah, I don't want to um, be totally arrogant, though. It, it is hard, right? And there's always so, there's so yeah. much out there. And the, the clients, they've got a hard, they're in a hard spot, too, because the advertising competition is kind of crazy. And when there's people out there that are willing to, all these startups and or some of the major companies are willing to just break even to take over market. Like it's, it's a, it's hard. It's really hard. Uh, and the price to run something is, is a factor. So it's, yeah, you know, I sometimes, sometimes 30% works really well for us. Sometimes, honestly, we go way over and over services. Like sometimes that's just, that's not even enough. Right. And then other times, it's a big enough client. Like, I don't want everybody to think I do 30% flat. Like, we do plenty of 20%, but they're six-figure budgets, right? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. So, to, to kind of find an end to this, this pricing part, what's your view on performance pricing? So, um, basically saying, you know, I think back in the days when, when you started and when I started in 2004 and paid search, there were a lot of... Um, 
cost per acquisition goals um, or, or cost per sale goals. Um, what's your experience with that and, and then nowadays? And then what is your view? Uh, I mean, when I've been on the other side and had a commerce site, I've hired people that say they can do that and it never ends well. Um, <laughs> right. And I've also offered to be that kind of agency and that mm -hmm. doesn't end well, it ends. Um, I, some people do it. It's very, I mean, when you're doing a cost per conversion, if it's, and a conversion is a, um, uh, is a, is a, is a like good, like you're buying something. If it's a yeah. cost per even then to guarantee, it's just almost impossible unless you inflate, unless you say it's really going to be higher, unless you're doing arbitrage, right? Which again, you gotta really know the market well, because the market fluctuates so much. So many different things can happen that you screw up one time, one big natural event happens and your cost per lead or cost per action, whatever it is, goes, goes through the roof and you don't get paid, yeah. you're stuck. Like, how do you make that back? So I, uh, you know, the entrepreneur in me, business owner in me wants to say, well, if you could, if you're so good, you should do it. But as a business owner, like, I need to be good at that. The agency is just a piece, right? Like, yeah. is my product good? Is my customer service good? Is my e-commerce engine good? Is the person that picked up the phone good? Is my messaging right? Have I paid for enough money for my creative? Because the placement is only a piece of it. Like, all that stuff. There's, yeah. That's your, and, and the people that do this go, well, we're basically going to run your business. Right. And then, like, what do you do? <laughs> like, what do you do? I guess, I guess if, you, if you're a beauty, like, we could have handed over our – but even then, like, you got to own your brand. The, 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 your brand is part of what – it is what sells your product, right? So yeah. handing that over to somebody is a little dangerous. Mm -hmm. No, I, I so, totally agree. So if you were to do a performance model, I mean, what we sometimes see <laughs> – what I've seen in the past is that if you agree to something like that and things work quite well, results are met, client is happy, year two comes and the client says, well, you're doing well, right? So let's, let's lower the fees uh, because, because I want you to lower the fee. How would you approach that conversation given that, for example, you, know, you have to give your people bonuses, salaries increase, cost most likely for the business, increases slightly too. How would you approach that challenge? Well, if I was doing that well, um, I've got to believe that that client's looking at going, well, I don't want to pay him that much, but he's also, he or she also is saying, God, I can't do it without him, right? Mm -hmm. so I think it's a polite conversation of we're doing well, but that's, what we're getting paid to do. And if you want to pay us less, you get what you pay for. And so don't expect the same results. And in fact, I don't know if we want to do that because I'm pretty proud of what we're doing now and I'd like to continue that. And I'm pretty sure I can do it with other folks. I am doing it with other folks, assuming if you're that good. I mean, it's a really yeah. hypothetical, but it's a really hypothetical uh, situation if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> like, if I'm doing that great and the numbers work before, Let's keep going. Now, if it's just, if I look at the numbers and go, we're, we're, we're making too much, 
and you just, you got to you start tearing it. Like I, I think I've done this before. I, I've set it up in such a manner. And if I was on the business side, I would I would tear it as well. Like you're going to make so much up to a certain level, then so much mm-hmm. a little less than the next level, no less than the next level. And that's that's actually probably fair because you're starting to scale at some point. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Well, I just had a look at the at the clock and uh, already I think like 35 minutes in, um, although I have a couple more questions. But um, to kind of find an end to our conversation, which has been great so far, um, where do you see, Chris, opportunities in the future to get in front of a trend? Um, you know, as you were back in 2002 when you founded Fathom Online and you were kind of riding the early wave, is there any anything in the media in the, in the in the creative space where you feel that's the next thing that 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 in two three four years all agencies will offer and, and no one has seen the opportunity yet? Mm, I mean, not anything that's gonna knock anybody over. Uh, I mean, I have one that probably people go really. I mean, obviously the voice search and. Um, Voice interaction through artificial intelligence, like that's going to come mm-hmm. faster than we're ready, faster than most people think. Uh, that's going to come overnight, I think. Uh, it just is, but every report says that, right? So, but I, I also yeah. don't think focus on it enough, including businesses. Like the consumer is going to drive that one. Uh, mm-hmm. The one though that smaller agencies, regional agencies like myself, I think may not be paying enough attention to. Uh, and it's going to sound stupid, but influencer marketing, influencer marketing has not even really caught on with the big guys. There's a couple of big brands are using it, but they're still figuring it out if you really mm-hmm. dig into it. Uh, and at the regional level, like the brands we have, we talk about influencer marketing, but we're talking about two or three influencers and we don't even use a platform. Like it's just, it's not near as sophisticated as it's going to get. Uh, I'll give you a good example. So, 46 Mile is actually owned by Hearst. Hearst is an $11 billion company. It's the kind, it's a fortune, it would be like a fortune 500 company, fortune 5,000 company, right? So, I was talking to somebody within the organization higher up in the financial side, and they're excited about affiliates. They think affiliates are really, that's the thing they're getting into now, right? I almost, really? I almost fell off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're actually seeing people like slick deals and some of the other little things that Rocketon has like, oh my God, these guys are like making big volume and they only got 40 people working for them. And I, I almost didn't know how to respond. But in hindsight, I'm looking, that's just what it takes to get to the sophistication. Now, mm-hmm. the Best Buys and all these other guys who really haven't been using affiliate marketing as efficiently as they could um, are really jumping on a bandwagon and they're using it to push their digital number, whether it actually makes a profit or not because their bonuses get paid on their digital revenue opposed to the brick and mortar revenue, right? So it's financial worse beer. So my reason I bring that example is you had the same reaction I did. Like, really? Like, come on, <laughs> that's done. But it's not. Influencer in our world, we're like, well, yeah, that's pretty, people know to go there, but they really don't. And the micro-influencers are just getting their day. They've been talked about for years, but 
they're just getting their day and the $100 million company right now has no idea how to use influencer properly. And so coming up with influencer solutions that match any, uh, a company that's not a Coca-Cola and not like um, some major lifestyle brand, but like a regional brand, that I think you can make a big dent. Like that's one of the things we're doing. Interesting. Well, maybe we have to have you on here again and talk about influencer marketing a little bit down Come the line. <laughs> well, Chris, go ahead. No, it's just shocking sometimes what the opportunities are. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you about uh, how to price your services for success. Um, if someone is looking for an agency that can help them develop a regional or multi multi-regional marketing initiative, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, best way to get, easiest way to remember is just 46mile.com. Uh, it's the number four, number six, and the word mile.com. And hopefully you will easily find a contact us. <laughs> if my guys did their job right, it'll be easy <laughs> for you to find a number or an email. <laughs> okay, great. Well, we put it uh, in the link too um, when, we, when we post this. Um, well, Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like the Performance Delivered podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter using our handle at symphonichq. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.